Episode 31, Don Nelson, Jerry Schubert, the National Reps, and Dane Clark. Welcome to Radio War Stories. In every episode, hosts Dave Jagger and Don Nelson reach into their arsenal of decades of radio experience to entertain you with their most amusing, enthralling, and interesting stories. Suit up and get ready for today's episode. I'm going to let you intro, Don. Start this one. I don't know how to do that. You don't want to start this one? <laughs> Go ahead. You always start it. Man. I know. <laughs> you want me to start? This? Yeah, Jerry, you start it. <laughs> well, welcome, everybody. It's a pleasure to be with you. This is Jerry Schubert, uh, former, formerly of Eastman Radio and the Interrupt Group of Companies, and uh, I'm delighted to be participating in your podcast today. You, you know what, Jerry? When I was uh, in a market of about sixty to 80,000, I started in San Antonio, moved down to... Uh, uh, Victoria, Texas, which is, was a smaller market and was learning the trade. Uh, <laughs> uh, I always thought uh, the, the the national reps, which is what you were, and maybe yes. is he still, uh, are you still doing that? Oh, no, he's laying it through. <laughs> <school, Lisa. laughs> no, I've, I've been long gone, Dave, but thank you very much <laughs> you, for giving you, me credit for being that. Well, you, you sound youthful, Jerry. That's the reason why. Uh, but I always thought these guys were like the middlemen between the national advertisers and the local radio stations, but they made the big bucks. They made the big dollars because they were they were messing with the Fords and the Chevys and the whoever the you know and uh, all of the big uh, uh, national advertisers. Now, am I wrong in saying that? Well, the one word you used that was correct was middlemen, uh, which we were. But the big bucks, remember, we were on the 15% side. You all were on the 85% side. Uh, so I wouldn't really go that far. Okay. Uh, but, yeah, we dealt with the Fords, and we dealt with the Budweiser's, and we dealt with the Rust-Oleums, and we dealt with the Wrigley Gums and all that yeah. stuff. It, and it was fun. And in that it, smaller market, we as, as an air talent, we just – begged we hoped we prayed for national advertisers because they sounded so good going into you know a coca-cola or a ford or whatever going into the break uh coming out of a smoking record or whatever and keep that momentum up instead of having some local jerk saying something you know jerry may well, not, I, you may not believe ahead, this Don. jerry but actually uh in one of the smaller markets that i worked in we used to run national advertising for free, just so it would sound good. Yeah, we that's did a that. great idea. Well, okay, I, I can understand that because it was well-produced, and, and, you know, perhaps a lot more money went into it than went into the local car dealer or the local right. uh, restaurant or whatever the case might be. Mm-hmm. And we were, told, we were told that on more than one occasion. Uh, it added uh, credence, the, you know, the believability. Okay, uh, I, I, jumped, I jumped a little too far ahead. Uh, I know because I just get so excited when I start talking about this kind of stuff. And I love doing the podcast with Don. But Don, explain and or lead Jerry into explaining exactly what his job was in relation to radio. Jerry, that's a good question. What exactly does a <laughs> rep do? <laughs> we, uh, we had some dear friends uh, that are still dear friends and they're in their 90s now uh, and, and had dinner with them early on after I had started with Eastman, mm-hmm. and they asked me to describe uh, what I did. Uh, and I said something along the lines of, we sell national advertising time for radio stations. And the, the wife 
a delightful lady, a cre- very creative, an artist in her own right, said, oh, you sell air. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, she said, caught on yeah, quickly. that's what yeah. we do. Right. <laughs> we sell air. We sell an intangible. You can't put your hands around it, but that's exactly right. That's what I do. So, Jerry, you uh, you graduated Marquette, correct? Marquette University. I won't tell you what year. Uh, well, it's it, all there someplace on one Facebook. Of, one of the early years. Graduated right. Marquette University with a BS, which was very appropriate for the business <laughs> that I eventually ended up in, in uh, – in, uh, Marketing and advertising. I wanted to become a writer. Uh, I interviewed with most of the major advertising agencies in Chicago when I got out of school in Milwaukee. Uh, and I was offered a job driving the company car for Young and Rubicam. Uh, wow. I actually had a face-to-face meeting with Emerson Foote at Foot Cone and Belding. They didn't offer me anything. <laughs> I was offered a job in the mailroom, uh, you know, which I already had at a big brokerage house when I was in college. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, didn't, didn't, I went, went a lot to the racetrack with my dad <laughs> while I was trying to find a job. <laughs> now, now that <laughs> sounds like a fun through, dad. You know, the, the way things happen through a friend of a friend, uh, heard about, uh, an opportunity with a newspaper rep firm, uh, and, uh, so I met the individual uh, that was at that juncture con- conducting the uh, the search, mm-hmm. and I took uh, an aptitude test. Fortunately, it wasn't an attitude test. It was an <laughs> aptitude test, uh, and it said I was cut out to be an advertising salesperson. You know, you could get along well with groups of people. You had a certain creative flair, uh, you know, things like that. I never really understood the whole depth of it, but they hired me. So this was as a newspaper rep. In other newspaper words, rep. you, you started off Kresmer, on the dark side. Kresmer, right? Woodward, O'Mara, and Ormsby, oh referred gosh. to as C-W-O-N-O, and everybody thought I worked for a railroad. <laughs> That's what it sounds like, yeah. That's what it sounds yeah. like. How long, how uh, long were you in the newspaper two years, business? Two years there. Two years? Right. Uh, yeah. You know, and, and, and it, was, it was great teaching, uh, learning about markets, because newspapers, you know, dissected their markets to the nth degree. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I learned a lot about, you know, how you describe a market, what makes up a market. Uh, traveled a little bit. I was responsible for the state of Iowa because we represented the Des Moines Register and Tribune and, uh, you know, called on advertisers there because that's what the newspaper reps did. They mm-hmm. You know, they didn't really spend a lot of time with buyers, if you will. They spent more of their time with the account people and so forth. Because if you're going to be in Iowa, you're going to be in the Des Moines Register and Tribune. You know, sure. yeah. someplace else. They covered 99 counties, yeah. all of which were in Iowa. So who, who actually rescued you from the newspaper business and got you into radio? Well, uh, you know, I was just talking about that uh, with somebody here Uh and uh, she was at that juncture working for Young and Rubicam uh, as a, a buyer's assistant in Chicago. A uh, big, we were, big we were advertising part of our dating firm. Process, yeah. My, my lovely bride. Oh. And I said to her, you know, I really think the people in the broadcasting business make make the money. You know, I'd like to get into broadcasting. I was getting getting to be kind of an old salesman at a young age uh, in the newspaper business, yeah. and so. She happened to hear of, of, of the fact that uh, a, a radio rep was looking for somebody. And so I picked up the phone and called the head of the Chicago office of Eastman Radio, who was Pete Schulte at the time. And I said, I've just heard that you may be looking for somebody. And he said, well, would you like to come over? I said, sure. 
And so that's how it all started. Wow. Yep. Pete Schulte. Uh, Pat, the name's from the past. Huh? <laughs> Pete Schulte. Well, there, there could be, well, obviously, after this much time, Don, there could be a lot of names. <laughs> but, yeah, I, I, I went in and I actually I met with Pete. And at the time, Joe Cuff was the president of Eastman Radio. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was he was just about to leave for the airport. And he said, you know, could you tell me uh, tell me a bit about yourself? And I've only got about three minutes. So <laughs> I was sitting on a couch in, the, uh, in Pete's office and I stood up and I said, would you like me to do a song or a dance? I just had that that kind of flair about me. I yeah, guess. And he sure. got a kick out of it. And so I passed the first muster. Uh, it didn't didn't go rapidly. In fact, it went over a period of it was in the spring of 66. It went over probably a couple of, maybe a couple of months, and I kept calling, and I finally said to Pete one day, Pete, look, I don't want to be uh, overly aggressive. Sure you uh, do. <laughs> you know, I don't really need this job. I've got a job, but, you know, are you interested or aren't you? And he said, Jerry, that's exactly what we're looking for, wow. that kind of attitude. The next thing was that I met Bill Burton, you know, God rest his soul, who was uh, my mentor and a mentor to many people in the in the business, in fact. At least as Mr. I can B. remember, Fabulous. three of the presidents, <laughs> myself and Bob Duffy after me, who became the president of Crystal. And uh, after Bob Duffy was Carl Buttram, who succeeded me as president of Eastman and then was president of Eastman when it was acquired by Katz. You know, so, one, of the, one of the things that always comes to my mind when anybody says Burton uh, I went up to his place in Detroit for his annual Christmas party. Uh, mm-hmm. which he held at his home. And yep. the, the place was just mobbed. There were people all over the place, and it's just getting a little late. And Burton pulled me aside, and he said, just look around. He said, everybody who is anybody <laughs> here in the Detroit advertising community is here, except for a few jerks that I didn't invite. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like that sounds like bill and it's it's very appropriate because he prided himself on you know getting to the highest levels uh you know one of his one of his lines was never take no from a man who can't say, person i should say from a person who can't say yes mm-hmm. uh and he encouraged all of us to make sure that we were at the highest level in the client side and the agency side uh, and, you know, gave us the foundation to go there. I mean, he taught us the principles to go there, taught us the things that, uh, you know, don't waste the people, the, the, their time, bring an idea, bring something of value, learn something while you're there. I mean, I have the letter that he wrote me when I started, July 16th, 1966. Boy, does that age us, Don. <laughs> uh, and... Uh, I mean, I look back at those principles. They're all in my personal file, uh, and they're still true today for a salesperson. They're, they're, you know, the average salesperson makes three calls and quits, and the average sales made after the third call. Things like that mm-hmm. uh, that that are just basic. Uh, and and his and his moniker obviously be fabulous, uh, which was <laughs> it came it all came about from. From Bob Eastman, as he says, as he tells the story, uh, uh, he was sitting in the lobby of one of the biggest agencies in Detroit one day with Bob Eastman, who founded, obviously, Eastman Radio. 
And he was a little nervous about going in to see whomever he was going to see. And he looked to Bob and Bob said, Bill, go in and be fabulous. And that became his moniker. That became his That's moniker. amazing. I have a, a couple of questions. You keep bringing these names that are just phenomenal. Uh, and Bob Eastman was actually just uh, around for about a year uh, before when I first got into the business and was going into the New York office. Uh, tell me about this guy. Uh, where did he come from? How did he build this, this incredible company? Huge. Yeah. Well, it, it's, it's a, a very interesting story. He was John Blair's right-hand man uh, at uh, what became Blair Radio. I mean, it was John Blair in the beginning. And in 1958, he decided he wanted to set off on his own and start his own radio rep firm. Uh, a, a handsome, I mean, we, I always remember him. If you if you think of the, the little colonel uh, in um, the Monopoly game with the flowing <laughs> white hair and the exactly. long white mustache, <laughs> uh, that was Bob Eastman. I mean, he was, and he had a marvelous voice, and later in the evening after a few uh, libations, he would love to sing wherever he was, uh, but he was also a phenomenal salesman. And he started the company in 1958 with about 12 radio stations. I think the the, the first real group that we had was Great Trails uh, Communications out of uh, Ohio, the Honorable Charles Sawyer. Uh-huh. Uh, and and uh, we became known early on as the rock and roll rep because most of our stations were the second rock stations in every market, mm-hmm. which was not necessarily an easy sell. It wasn't where you wanted to be. Uh, <laughs> was it hard to uh, to convince radio stations to jump on board? Did they not want to give up that amount of uh, commission to a, a middleman like you guys? How no, difficult well, we, was it? We were, the t- we were the 27th company in a 26th company industry. <laughs> so as you might imagine, there was a lot of, a lot of competition. Yeah. But we had some phenomenal salespeople all across the country. Bob was, you know, Bob was able to pick it out, pick out the talent and, and motivate the talent. And, of course, if you weren't motivated, you didn't last very long. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, he, he built a team that was well regarded. And, and remember, we were back in the days where there were only two rating services, Pulse and Hooper. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so all you had were shares, basically, to deal with. I mean, you didn't have the... Uh, they hadn't the, invented the uh, word demographic. Yeah. Of, <laughs> no of, demographs you know, when, yet, yeah. <laughs> when A.C. Nielsen, Nielsen got in the business on the radio side and decided uh, you know, that they were going to really get in-depth, and suddenly you had quarter-hour ratings and cumes and uh, all that stuff that led to gross rating points and, you know, and the Westinghouse slide rule and so forth and so on. That became a different era. The early days were a lot of fun. I mean, it was creative. It was it was who had the most <laughs> the most cojones yeah. to fight the hardest. Yeah. Sure. And, it was bootstrap and, you know, days, Make sure right? keep yeah. everybody else honest and be in be creative. Uh, you know, it, it, we did we did things that if I look back today, uh, I, I wonder if they even think about doing some of this stuff. I got dressed up. I was trying to, to get an order uh, from Budweiser uh, for one of our big stations to, that had baseball. And uh, Bob was still involved. And he said, well, Jerry, what you ought to do is you ought to, I know they're having a meeting 
uh, a big corporate meeting down in St. Louis, you ought to put on a baseball uniform oh, and go man. down there and get to the ad manager. Now, this is a corporate meeting, you know, in a big hotel with distri- distributors from all over the country. So I get all dressed up. I fly from St. Louis, uh, from Chicago down to St. Louis in my baseball uniform with a glove and a bat. I mean, you could do that on an airplane back then. Was it the Cardinals or what What was the team? Do you remember or was it just a no, generic I, I, baseball? I can't, I can't tell you. It, was, uh, it may have been the White Sox. Oh, boy. Represent WMAQ. Uh, but I'm not sure. But the point was, so I get down there and I, I go into this big, big auditorium and, you know, the meeting's going on. And then it's like lunchtime, break time. So I go into the bathroom to make sure that my uniform looks right and everything. <laughs> and one of their keynote speakers, I'll never forget this, was Dane Clark. Remember the actor Dane Clark? That's before my time. There's not much oh. of anything before my time. No, ah. no, I do, I do remember that. I'll say, yes. sure, sure, I do, Jerry. Sure, sure. Yeah, a great, a great. Thank you very much, Dave. I appreciate that. A great character actor. Been around a long time. So I'm in the bathroom, you know, fixing up my uniform and he comes into the bathroom and he looks at me and he says, don't worry, kid, you'll get in the game. (laughs) And here I'm standing thinking, oh, my God, this is what has come to. I found the suite that the Ets, I don't know how I did it. Maybe I was Gabriel alone, Don, from one of the (laughs) Daniel Silva novels. I found the suite that the ad manager was was having a meeting in and I got to the the door of the suite, I knocked on the door, and one of his assistants, his assistants came to the door, and I said who I was and why I was there, and I just wanted a couple of minutes with the ad manager to tell him what we had to offer. That's as far as I got. Wow. <laughs> really? So, but I, I tried. Well, you made an impression <laughs> with Dane Clark. Yeah. Well, again, but, also, but also, remember this, Dave. With Bob Eastman. With he Bob Eastman, it. yeah. That's, you know, he the, thought the, it was terrific. Yeah. When I first, I guess my very first trip into the Eastman, New York office, the thing that just blew me away was, first of all, Bob's corner office, which later <laughs> later became Jerry's corner Ooh, office. Second, <laughs> second floor, number one, Rockefeller Plaza. Overlooking the skating rink, overlooking the Christmas tree. The Christmas tree. tree when it was up. Everything oh was gosh. right there. But... They had a dining room with the crystal chandelier, big table, and they would invite uh, agency people in and station people in mm-hmm. for a catered lunch. Now, that, nice. that went away. Uh, I think when Jerry came in, you cut it out because of the expenses, right? Yeah, we turned it into, we turned it into a conference room and a presentation center with multi-screens and, and multi-capability, uh, oh, you know, nice. projection capability. Yeah. But Let's I screw over you. our clients and not give them any lunch, and we'll turn this into a no, work room. No, they still, they, still they still got lunches and dinners, you know, depending, upon, <laughs> depending upon who it was, some okay. better than others. Fair enough. Uh, but that, that, conf- that office that Bob had with a, with a full-time chef, that catered Man. that became you know like a a high price ticket if you got invited you showed up I'll so we bet. knew that you know if we wanted to really do something nice for our client which obviously was the radio station <laughs> and our customer which was the agency we'd put them together in this environment yeah. the chandelier i'm told i never saw it personally don really was yeah. purchased by ann eastman bob's wife on one of their trips to Italy in some remote place, 
And probably at that juncture, the chandelier was more than what my salary was. <laughs> Tough life. Tough life for the Eastman's blessed But it, it, was, it was a showroom, you know, oh, it was a captive imagine. audience. Yeah. But I just remember when I walked in there the very first time, a kid from Arkansas, and the only thought that went through my mind was, Don, you're in tall cotton. <laughs> <laughs> you're in high cotton now, baby. Don is Jerry, and I'm going to talk about you in third person here to Don for a second. Is Jerry the one that you talked to about uh, the big station thing in Utica? And he said, hey, I'm one in on that deal. No, no, no. That was Frank Boyle. Uh, right. You, Jerry, Frank Boyle. Yeah. Frank was uh, was president of, of Eastman at that time. Oh, okay. Right. Yeah. All right. Yeah. All right. Uh, Jerry uh, came in after Frank. and, and uh, ah, So Jerry missed out on that deal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and, Don and, and Don and Jerry missed out on four deals. Oh, right. my. But that's, but, a, that's a whole other part of the yeah. conversation. We, we have another uh, 18 hours of that we'll record. <laughs> yeah, that's at, right. At some point. But actually, a, lot, a lot of pain, a lot of suffering, and a whole lot go. of fun. Do you remember, Jer, the first time we met? The first time we met, yeah, well, <laughs> this, is, this is a little funny because the way you describe it is a little different from the way I describe it. Well, go but ahead. We'll, we'll give you, you the first yeah, shot. Yeah. You, you describe it as you flew in to uh, Megsfield. To Megsfield. Oh, man. And, and uh, got, a, got a car and uh, came in the car to the office. Right. And so I'm waiting in the office for you to say something about the limo that I had sent for you. Right. And and uh, I finally couldn't wait any longer. And I said, well, how was the limo? And you looked at me and you said, you sent one too? <laughs> that was it. That was our introduction. <laughs> that was how we first met. And, and here we are today still... That dearest, my dearest friend. Yeah, oh, that's fantastic. Uh, and, what and, a great story. You know, have, have shared many fond memories and, and places we've been and things that we've done and successes that we've had and, quite honestly, some lack of success that we had, too. <laughs> well, but, one, uh, you know, one thing that I, I will just mention briefly, and that's Jerry's first trip, market trip, to Indianapolis after we had been signed. I went in for that limo meeting with Jer. Then uh-huh. he and his bride came down to uh, Indianapolis uh, to meet the folks at the station and of course. You know, glad sure. hand and all of that. Yeah. And that evening, uh, Jerry, his bride, <laughs> my bride, and I went to one of the, the ultimate uh, steakhouses in America, St. Elmo's on Monument Circle. And what are the things on the menu that we enjoyed was escargot and i won't take it past that okay <laughs> and and it's still her favorite appetizer today and we still have it at the little french restaurant up here in cape creek outside of scottsdale ah, very nice San Susi. And it's it's escargot, and uh, you just never know how, how far escar will go. That's right, the escar will go. <laughs> More of our conversation with Jerry Schubert coming up next week. for listening to Radio War Stories. Make sure to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Like us on Facebook at Radio War Stories and call in with your questions or comments here or on Skype. Skype at RadioWarStories.com. We look forward to hearing from you. See you next week.